What a cool thing to see on the stage today in the spirit of our church, just the, the crossing of pathways, the entering into new chapters uh, in our church. Jared up here, uh, as Jared and Katie get ready to, to head out and launch a Narrative Church and how excited we are in supporting them and sending people with them. And that's a, an amazing thing and accomplishment from them moving out in faith and having him on the stage at the same time. Robbie's here and they're going to be handing the baton off this week and Robbie and his family are moving here from Little Rock. In fact, they moved here this week, as he said, in this kind of weather. Should have moved here in spring or something like that. I don't know. But uh, here they are, and we're excited to have them with us, going to invest their life. They're leaving family. They're leaving home. Uh, that's where Robbie's from, is Little Rock. And so that, it means a lot, and they're mean, it means a lot to, to all of us that they're coming our way. And so that's just one of the pathways, just intersecting right here on the stage, right here at this time, right here on this day. And, and you can kind of get to be a part of that. Also, other cool things that are happening around intersection pathways that are happening. Brooke Bryant, who's uh, the wife of Wade Bryant, our, our, our senior uh, high pastor, next emerging generation pastor. Uh, his wife uh, has been our Kindle uh, MDO director, and she is moving to our women's ministry director. And so we're really jazzed about this. She is. Uh, she has a heart for counseling and a heart for women, a heart for families, and her training is in that, in, in that area. And she's going to be heading up our women's ministry. And so we're really excited about this move for our ladies in the church and in our community as an opportunity to really grow that ministry. So that's a, that's a, a new change. Lots going on, more to come. I can, I can just say this, just stay tuned. It's all, in, I think, moving in a very positive direction. I'm glad to be back after being away for some time, a bit of vacation tied in with a, a, a bit of sabbatical and studying. Somebody asked me the other day, said, oh, y'all rested from your sabbatical? Not at all. It was not a rest time, all right? In fact, it was intense, intense study time. I spent a lot of hours in the library. In fact, uh, I unplugged from social media, unplugged from uh, any outside distractions. I was all alone, which I, as an introvert, I love that, and, uh, and get fuel from that and study and spent a lot of time in that kind of environment. In fact, I got this photo when I got back on Instagram. I saw this photo uh, of somebody standing in a library and I thought, oh, I want to go there. Where is that? I want to go there. And uh, I know nerd alert, uh, but I just like libraries. Uh, I like to study. I like to learn. It's, that's not always been the case in my life, but that's where I am now. Uh, and uh, so anyway, I'm glad to be back. I'm going to more to tell you. Obviously, I spend that, that week, week and a half just pouring over, praying over our church, our future, where I feel like God's leading us. And I have more to share about that uh, even next week. It'll actually tie into the message and I will, I will wait and share that with you this week. But we're kicking off a three-part series of messages called Pathways today. And as I talk about Jared and, and, uh, and Robbie here on the stage and their pathways and their passing uh, here on the stage and Brooke and her pass, pathways, y'all are on pathways. Some of y'all are new to the area, new to North, Grace Point Church, new to Northwest Arkansas. You're on a pathway and a journey and a path where you're making changes or making decisions about, uh, about relationships and schools and, and so many things going on. We all have these pathways we're on. But I want to share a series of messages from the 23rd Psalm. Now, there are six verses in the 23rd Psalm. 
We're going to take three weeks to study six verses. So needless to say, we're going to go down deep. We're going to look at phrases and words and what they mean and how they tie together in this old Hebrew poetry. And how does it pertain to our life? And how does it fit in? Of the 41,000 verses of the Scripture, these six verses are some of the most quoted verses out of all of the Bible. I would say probably in the top ten of passages of Scripture quoted across the board. I would say that probably if you look at the Old Testament, it would be in the top five. Probably if you look at the book of Psalms alone, the largest book in the Old Testament, as many chapters-wise, 150 chapters, Psalm 23 is the most quoted, most recognized, most familiar passage of Scripture. So be finding it right now. We'll be there in a moment. But let me just read you one statement that Max Licato, a great writer, in a great book, Traveling Light, you might want to be a good companion to read uh, along as we study this. But this is one of the things he said about the 23rd Psalm. He says, do more beloved words exist? Framed and hung in hospital halls, scratched on prison walls, quoted by young, whispered by the dying, In these lines, sailors have found harbor, the frightened have found a father, the strugglers have found a friend. This passage of Scripture, I would say, is one of, again, the most quoted, often hung above a baby's bed, hung above a bed, prayed over a child. At the same time, is one of the most commonly quoted passages of Scripture at a memorial service of somebody's passing. So literally, this passage covers from the cradle to the grave. And it has brought comfort and direction and hope and healing for a lot of different people. The 23rd Psalms, as you look at this, it's written by King David, who grew up as a young shepherd boy. And in this, you kind of see two parts to it. The first part of it is where uh, the first four verses is really, the Lord is our shepherd. Then the last part, uh, verse 5 and 6, is the Lord is our host. And we'll kind of break it down a bit differently, but you'll see how it all ties together and how the Lord is a part of our life from the beginning to the end of our life. And it's written by David. David was a man after God's own heart. David was a person who failed, failed miserably, failed drastically, scandalous, failing, he failed. At the same time, he was able to rebound. He was a king. But at the same time of being a king, he also was under a shepherd. And here's one of the things I want you to understand. Even though King David is this mighty, mighty, powerful king, very influential, here's a life principle for you. Get it down. Even a king needs a shepherd. Even a king needs a shepherd. Would you say that with me? I want you to, your ears to hear you say it. Even a king needs a shepherd. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how entrepreneur you are. I don't care how savvy you are. I don't care what skills you have. I don't, I, I don't care. I don't care the resources you have, the depth of resources you have. I don't care. King David to this day would be recognized as the greatest king to ever rule the nation of Israel. But even King David needed a shepherd, needed someone to guide him. None of us are exempt. Every single one of us needs someone Someone specifically that we will speak about here in a moment 
Someone to guide us, to speak into us, speak truth into us, to correct us when we're wrong, to encourage us when we're down. We need a shepherd just as David needed a shepherd. Now, we all like to be the leader. We all would love to be the shepherd. In fact, if your kids were anything like my kids growing up, you know, you'd have to blast them out of bed with dynamite in the morning, throw cold water on them, threaten them within an inch of their life, three or four times of that, and then finally they get out of bed. And then, you know, eat your breakfast and, okay, don't spill your, take your, take your homework. And you know, you know the battles. We're about to start that up again here in just a few weeks. But on the day that they were chosen by the teacher to be the line leader, that was a totally different day. If every day could just be the line leader day, they would pick out their clothes the night before. They would set their own alarm. They would get up on their own. They would be jumping out of bed, putting on their clothes, eating their breakfast. They're going to change the world as the line leader that day. And they talk about it the night before at dinner of how they're going to save lives because they're not going to intersect with some dangerous other class in the hallway intersections. And at the same time, even the line leader still has the teacher telling the line leader, we go here at this time, we go here at this speed, we stop here, we do this, and we don't do that. Even the king, the greatest king, the mightiest king of Israel needs a shepherd. I want you to take your Bibles and look at chapter 23 of Psalms. And again, this is going to be really pretty easy over the next three weeks. We're going to read six verses every Sunday for the next three Sundays. In fact, they're going to be easy enough that I'm going to put the challenge out there for you to memorize. Every passage, whatever we focus on today, we will focus on the first three to four verses, okay? And then next week, we'll focus on a verse, and the next week, we'll focus on the last two verses. So we're going to kind of break it down in that manner. But I want us every week to memorize and focus a little bit more on this. And so I want us to read it out loud together. So you follow along. It's on the screen. It's on, on your tablets, on your phones or whatever. And, you, and these old fashioned things here, uh, you know, you can, you can open it up. And, and I would encourage you to bring those because I'm going to ask you to mark some places in them. But let's read this out loud together. All right. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house. Very common passage. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful, consoling promise to claim, to stake your claim on, to live your life towards, that I will dwell forever in the house of the Lord. That will be a beautiful day, won't it be? But first, before we go to the end, we've got to start at the beginning. We've got to start with the very first phrase, and I will say this, in my opinion, is that the very first phrase, if we don't get the very first phrase down deep into our soul, into the bedrock of our being, the rest of it starts to unravel. 
The rest of it doesn't fit together. You can't pick and choose. You can't jump in and out. You can't be there. You've got to lay that foundation. And so I wanted to just take that first phrase and just break it apart bit by bit. What's the very first words he says? The Lord. Without any introduction, without any fanfare, he just opens it up and he just says, the Lord. Now, this is not just the Lord as in Lord of the Flies or uh, Lord of the Rings or something like that. This is Lord Yahweh. He uses in the Hebrew words here, the most holy, most sacred, most revered name for God. He uses the word Yahweh. In fact, that word Yahweh, if I was in a Jewish culture, I wouldn't even use that word because they don't use that word. It's so holy. They will substitute it with the Hebrew word Adonai. Because Yahweh is the holy name for God. And you don't even speak it, it is so holy. And yet we have right out of the beginning, you have David penning this, this, this psalm and he says, the Lord, that name, that powerful name, that big name, that awesome name, that grandiose name of God who made the universe. Who is this that he speaks of? You ask a Muslim and they'll, they'll call him Allah. You ask different religions of the world. You ask the Hindus. There's many different gods. There's thousands of gods. How can you limit it to one God? The God that David spoke of was the God who made it all. It's a beautiful passage in Psalm 90, verse 2. It says, Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth, the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You don't have a beginning, God. (laughs) From everlasting to everlasting, before the world was created, before anything was put into place, you were, you existed, you, you were there. This is the person, this is the entity, if I can say it like that, to whom David is referring. I think, okay, Mike, I get it. No, I want you to get it. Because we have a problem with really embracing who God is and who is not God. Let's keep reading. Because he goes on and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He is intimate. In fact, you don't see a lot in the Old Testament the intimacy between man and God. You finally, you see God more as this transcendent God, this, or excuse me, this eminent God out, out in space and uh, this God who created. But David gets it real personal here. This, this transcendent God is not just transcendent, he's eminent, he's my God. He is my shepherd, the Lord who made it all. We're just a crumb. Well, I mean, we've seen that with, with, the, with the whole horizon si- satellite who goes out and takes pictures of Pluto way out there. And our solar system is just a speck of sand in this ocean. And God made it all. That God who made it all. Oh, by the way, he's my shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's my personal, intimate Belonging to me and I belonging to him, shepherd. Now, the whole idea of calling God a shepherd may seem a little bit strange in our non-agrarian culture. We might call him the CEO. We might call him a lot of things. But in in biblical times, in historical times, calling God a shepherd was common. In fact, it's the oldest metaphor in Scripture all the way back to Genesis 49, verse 24, is the first time that God is referred to as a shepherd. 
But even in, in outside of the Judeo-Christian circles, the king and gods were considered shepherds. King Hammurabi was considered a shepherd. The Babylonian god of justice, uh, Shamasha, was considered a shepherd. So the idea of a shepherd and the idea of a god and a deity and a king is, is very common. But I want you to hear more than anything, I want you to hear that the Lord, the one who made it all, the one who created it all, the one who sustains it all, the one who keeps it all together by his breath, as it says in the book of Hebrews, that big God is my shepherd. Is, can be, should be, hopefully is your shepherd who guides and speaks in, who encourages and strengthens, who becomes... Because see, the reality is, I don't care how big you are, how good you are, or or, or any of that, every, even a king needs a shepherd. Don't get away from that. Who is your shepherd? Who's guiding you? Who's calling the shots in your life? Because the reality is, if, if, if God is a shepherd, then what's the metaphor for us? We must be sheep. So what, is it, what does it mean to be a sheep? We're not the most intelligent people out there, okay? We're not the sharpest tool in the shed. The reality is, is that we can follow a shepherd or we can not. A sheep can go its own way. A sheep can be stubborn. A sheep can call its own shots just as it is spoken of in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We all, like all of us, we've all gone astray. We've all chosen our own path. Each of us has turned to his own way. I like being my own shepherd, to be honest with you. I like calling my own shots. But typically what happens when I do that, and I'll get into this in a few moments, is end up making a mess. But if I would embrace, if I would get under, if I would fall under the leadership of the Lord being my shepherd, things can happen in my life that would not happen otherwise. I can't muster it up. I can't produce it. I can't, there's no way. So, so let's, let's go to one more phrase here. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. What's the next phrase? I shall not want. What a beautiful statement. I shall not want. There's an idea of fullness in there. There's an idea of contentment in there. There's an idea of completeness in there. There's an idea of satisfaction in there. Now, the whole idea that I could be living in this world and, and be content with my relationship with my spouse, be content on my job, be content with my salary, be content with uh, getting the promotion, be content, be content. I'm not saying be complacent. That's not it at all. But the idea that I realized that, hey, I don't have to have the upgrade. I don't have to have the new. I don't have to go on the big expensive. I don't have to, whatever it may be, to fix the hunger inside of me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The message paraphrases it like this. I don't need a thing. (laughs) I don't need a thing. Everything's okay. I'm okay. Because the Lord is my shepherd, he is going to be the one who's going to take care. This word, I I shall not want, I I don't need a thing. It's a Hebrew word, hashar. And it it actually is used uh, just a few times in the Old Testament. One of the times is way back in the book of Deuteronomy. Way back when the people of Israel have been wandering around for 40 years. Now imagine that. 
You, you know the story. They've been wandering around for 40 years, just aimlessly going for 40 years. In fact, some of you feel like as you turn 40 or as you turn 35 or 45 or whatever, you feel like, hey, that's me, I'm aimless. I've been wandering around. But somehow God in his, in his grace has been providing for you. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7 is where that word is used again. He says, for the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. And some of y'all feel like you're in the wilderness right now. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. Here's the word hashar. You've lacked nothing. I'm not going to paint for you today a rosy picture. If the Lord is your shepherd, everything's going to be peachy and rosy. But I will tell you this. When the Lord becomes your shepherd, you won't want you will have what you need. There will be a level of contentment in your marriage, in your relationships, on your job, in life, in breathing air, in the clothes that you wear. There's a level of contentment that rises because you know that things are okay and will be okay. We are bombarded with messages every day that you're not okay and you won't be okay until you get this thing. In fact, the commercials that we are out there, they're estimated. 12 billion display ads, 30 million radio commercials, and more than 200,000 TV commercials that are dumped into the North American collective consciousness every day. Every one of them are saying to you and me, hey, if you get this, if you buy this, if you, get, if you t- have me, if you will take me home with you, then I will complete this. And, it's, and what we do is we grab and we buy and we take and we swallow and we drink and we eat and we wear and we take on and whatever it may be so that we can one day, hopefully, 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 hopefully get to where we don't want and we're content. What we do, listen to this. This is big. We go out looking for contentment and we never find it. And what we need to do because we need to let the Lord be our shepherd. And we won't want. All of a sudden, when the Lord becomes my shepherd, then contentment becomes my life. Fulfillment becomes my life. Satisfaction becomes my life. But what I do is I keep looking and groping and grabbling for, for it out there in this world. And it's never going to find it. What I must do is I must find him, let him be who he is in my life, and then it will find me. Do you get it? Why? Why? Why, why don't, if I'm the line leader of my own life, why don't I want to continue to be the line leader? Hey, be the line leader, but listen to the teacher. Listen to the shepherd that's in front of the line, giving you instructions of where we're going, how we're going to get there. Are you wise? You're going to end on the wrong place, and you're going to have one of those collisions. It's not going to be pretty. So here's four reasons why I think God should be our shepherd or we should consider God being our shepherd. Now, in, in this, when you look at Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, where we just read even 1 to 4, you'll notice here that he uses the word, the pronoun he, again, four different times. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. He gives us the four reasons why we should allow the Lord to be our shepherd. And when he's our shepherd, we will find that area of fulfillment and contentment that we have longed for and been searching and scratching for so much. Number one reason is that it is found in God's provision in our life. His provision is timely. His provision is, is right on time. Now listen, there's a lot of verses I can share with you, but I want to share two of them with you. And I want you to notice the common word in both of them. This is Old Testament and New Testament. But they're speaking the same language, all right? They're saying the same thing. And I want you to know the cause and effect. The cause is found in the same word. The effect is that your needs will be met. You will have your needs met. Psalm 37, verse 25. I was young and now I'm old. That describes me. Yet I have never seen the righteous, common word, forsaken or their children begging for bread. I've I've lived in a nation where people lived off a buck fifty a day. Believers sold out in their faith had higher levels of commitment then I've seen some Americans that make six figures a year. But somehow, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his children begging for bread. Matthew six thirty three. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the common word. The cause. What's the effect? And all these things will be added to you. In this passage right before this, all these things will be added to you is whenever they're fretting and worrying and stewing over what they're going to eat, where they're going to sleep, what they're going to wear, all this, all this everyday stuff that we fret over to this day. Listen, get it out. Get, get rid of it. Don't focus on that. You're focusing on trying to find contentment. You need to be focusing on righteousness. You need to be focusing on letting me be your shepherd and then let me take care of that other stuff. Let me fix those other issues and holes and hungers that we go through. That's what he said in verse 2. He said, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. One of the books that complementary uh, study to this is a book by Philip Keller where he wrote. And Philip Keller is an actual, um, he's an actual shepherd, all right? And it's a really cool uh, com- compliment to the, the study here. Because when I think of shepherds, I, first of all, I, I think of this like uh, guys wearing kelts in and, and, and Scotland and, and green pastures and all these sheep are all over the green pastures and there's green pastures everywhere. And hey, after all, they get like 180 inches of rain. So there's green pastures everywhere. That's what I think of mentally, subconsciously in my mind, almost the, 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 the template of my mind when I think of a shepherd. But this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about the Middle East. We're talking about an arid land. An arid land where they get about 25 inches of rain a year. It is a job to be a shepherd. And they have to go find safe drinking water and they have to go find safe pasture lands and they have to go do this and they have to bring their sheep with them because if they don't do it the sheep won't make it but here's the beauty of whenever the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he 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 makes me to lie down in green pastures so back on philip keller 
he was asked or he thought through what, what makes a sheep lie down. Just lie down. I mean, you go, lie down. You know, you don't train a sheep like a dog. Roll over, play dead. You know, how do you get the sheep to lie down? He mentions four things. Free of fear. Some of you, if you're sheep, you are gripped by fear. I put a quote on Instagram yesterday. Fear makes life boring. By Donald Miller. Free of friction within the ranks of the sheep. So the sheep aren't fighting with the other sheep. Free of deadly pest. There aren't wolves. There aren't people outside trying to steal them. It's a safe environment. Then sheep will lie down. And fourthly, when their hunger is met, when their stomach is full. What am I saying? Every one of those, every one of those is a picture of what God wants to do in your life. He wants to set you free of fear. He wants to set you free. He wants to bring peace in your family, peace in this family, peace in your community. He wants to bring peace. He is the Prince of Peace. It only makes sense. It's a part of His nature. See, that's what, the, that's what God wants to do when He is our shepherd. We won't, we won't want because He's going to make us lie down in green pastures. You won't get that in this world. See, uh, and you've heard it, Irma Bombeck said it, that if, if, you, if you think that the grass is greener on the other side, it's probably built on a septic tank. And so that's, that's the problem. We go out looking for greener pastures, greener relationships, greener jobs. We're looking for the wrong thing. Look for the Lord to be your shepherd. Let Him do what He can do and will do in your life. Let Him lead you to a pasture where you can lie down. Number two, the second reason is God requires rest. But if you're taking notes, add out to the side of that and gives rest. You realize that most most people give back about two days of their vacation every year to their work. And the reason is, is that they don't have time to take off. That's according to Expedia. We are overworked, overwhelmed, overloaded, overweight, and overextended. And we wonder why we're so stressed. We can't, we can't, we can't. We're overwhelmed. And all along, we we, we need to take a break, but we can't take a break. We need more sleep, but we can't sleep at night. Albert Einstein, one of the greatest minds, Slept 11 hours a day. Think about it. In 1910, America slept nine hours a night. Today, we're lucky to get seven. I was listening to a, an audio book on the way back from Australia, and it said about the CDC declares that you are, you are sleep deprived if you, sleep, if you go with two nights consecutive less than seven hours of sleep. Somebody says, I have kids. I get it. The point is, is it's not just that we don't take time. We crowd in so much. We don't find rest. We live in a tumultuous world in this river of of current, of rapids, of rocks, of hazards. And that's the kind of river we live by. But all along, he, what he wants to do, where he wants to take us, is that he will lead me beside still waters. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He wants to get you to a safe place where you can rest, where you can drink, where you can take in, 
where you can breathe in. In fact, he, he, he not only requires it, but he will give it. And it's really more than anything. It's not that you need more vacation days. It's, it's not that you, you know, and maybe you do. Maybe you need to work less hours. I, I don't know. Maybe you do need to work less hours. But more than anything, I think what we have to do is we have to find rest in a person, not in a place. If I had a lake house, I'd have a place. If I had a boat, I'd have a place. If I had a, no, it's not, it, it, places are great addendums to life, but it's more in the person of Christ where we find rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So just in reflecting on this message and getting ready for today, I, I just kind of surveyed back across my life. And the times that I get on edge, the times that I get a little, a little close to the edge of, of where I shouldn't be, either morally or mentally or emotionally, at times I get a little too overextended and start to careen and start to fall. Typically in some way I'll buckle and fall and shrapnel will be out there. And what happens when that happens is I don't have rest, I have a mess. And I can't rest when the mess is bigger than the rest, if that makes sense to you. I'm going to have to find rest in a person. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. But he does one more thing. He restores my soul. God strengthens the soul. I know some of y'all in this room, because I've talked to you, you've you texted me, you emailed me, we've had coffee, we've had lunch, we've talked over stresses and issues that are going on in your life, in your relationship, on your job or whatever. Listen, stop looking for greener pastures. Look for the care of the pastures. Look for the shepherd of the sheep. That's who you look for. That's where you find rest. And then allow him to bring rest into you. Allow him to restore you. Allow him to restore you. 30 tons of aspirin, sleeping pills, and tranquilizers are consumed every day across the USA. 30 tons. We are trying to medicate ourselves into restoration when all along we have a shepherd over here who wants to meet us and restore us. A shepherd over here wants to be in our life and save us from getting too close to the edge where we didn't fall off and there's shrapnel and there's mess and there's, and there's things to, to, to clean up. He wants to restore us. This word restore, I looked it up in the Hebrew, it means to repent, to renew, to reconcile, to make whole again. Some of y'all have just lost the joy. God wants to renew the joy. Put joy back in your soul again. Now we read Psalm 23. I'm going to challenge you to memorize Psalm 23. Now I want us to read a different version of Psalm 23. And you have to declare to yourself which one of these best describes you. All right? We read the biblical version. Now let's read the contemporary version probably more descriptive version of us, all right? I am my own shepherd. I am always in need. I stumble from mall to mall and shrink to shrink, seeking relief, but never finding it. I creep through the valley of the shadow of death and fall apart. I fear everything from pesticides to power lines, and I'm starting to act like my mother. (laughs) I go down 
to the weekly staff meeting and am surrounded by my enemies. I go home and even the goldfish scowls at me. I anoint my headache with extra strength Tylenol and my Jack Daniels runneth over. Surely misery and misfortune will follow me and I will live in self-doubt the rest of my lonely life. We laugh almost to keep from crying because it describes us in maybe totality, maybe in some part. Would you remember that first? Would you put it on the mantle of your life? Would you, would you put it in your soul today? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's what you want. That's what I want. I want to be so connected, so under, so, so led by, so protected by, so restored by the shepherd, the God of the universe, the one who made it all and holds it all together. That one is the one I want to guide me. I want you to read these next two verses out loud with me because I want your soul, I want your soul to hear your voice say them. Isaiah 26, verse 3. He will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in him, whose thoughts turn often to the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Unload all your worries onto him since he is looking after you. He's looking after you when he's your shepherd. If you're that stray sheep doing it your own way, calling it your own shots, you know what happens next. Number fourth reason. Number four, why we should allow him to be our shepherd. He gives wisdom. Wisdom for the way. We, we, we can't skip over the last statement. And I love it, the order that it comes in. I mean, you just say, say it in your head. You don't have to say it out loud with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. After he restores you, after you've found rest and nourishment, after all of that, then, 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 then he's going to lead you in paths of righteousness. What's the title of this series? Pathways. You're on a path. I'm on a path. Sometimes our paths merge. Sometimes they overlap. Sometimes we careen into each other. We're on a path. He's going to lead us on these paths if we allow him to lead us. Max Licato said it again in Traveling Light. He says, if you have the shepherd, you have the grace for every sin, the direction for every turn, the candle for every corner, an anchor for every storm. You have everything you need. This is King David speaking in Proverbs 23. Let me give you what his younger son or his son said, Solomon. Solomon said in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, he almost, now if you apply it, if you look for it, you can almost see the 23rd Psalm here. Though he doesn't use the imagery, the metaphor that David uses, he just comes out point blank. Listen, where the Lord is your shepherd, what he says is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Listen, you're not the great shepherd. He is. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and let him direct your paths. 
Let him make straight your paths. Listen, I'm not telling you, I'm not selling you a bill of goods today to tell you that, hey, if you do this, everything's going to be peachy and wonderful. Listen, the next phrase, just read the next phrase in Psalm 23. We'll talk about that next week. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. I'll save that for next week. You will go through valleys. But the difference is is that now you are being led by the shepherd who led you there, who will get you through there, who will provide for you as you go through there. Why would you not follow him? Why would you not? Why would you not? Philip Keller, again, back back to his his experience as a, I guess, theologian and also as a shepherd. He, He talks about the time he got his first 30 ewe lambs. He got up on the corral watching these little little lambs just round, run and bounce and all that kind of stuff down there on the ground. And he stood up, he got up on the fence and the guy he bought him from that was kind of training him how to take care of the little, little, these little sheep hands him a knife. <laughs> hands him a knife. What am I supposed to do with this? He says, they're your sheep. You got to mark them. You got to mark them. You got to mark them. Otherwise, they'll run off. Somebody will steal them. Something will happen to them. You've got to mark them. Really? Yeah. And one by one, he took 30 different little, little sheep into his arms, wrestling, fighting all the way, laid out their ear flat, and took a knife and drove it right through, piercing their ears, marking them, putting a tag in them, claiming them. Was it painful? Yes. Screaming blood? Yes. Life is not going to be easy, and I'm not promising you that. But I am promising if the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want, that he will lead you down these paths. But the difference is, is that you're being led, you're owned, you're bought, you, you, you belong to the greatest shepherd of the, of the universe who's identified in the New Testament as the good shepherd being Jesus. Now, now here's what I want to land on today. I want you to classify you, I didn't intend to do this, as to what kind of you you are. You lamb. That's what a pun, okay? So you need to figure out what kind of you lamb you are, all right? This is what the first verse says. I want you to just read them. Follow along as I read. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Do you see the relationship there? The connectedness, the identity, the belonging? My sheep, I own them. Listen to me. Listen to my voice. I know them. They know me. They follow me. They respond to me. They go with me. Now that could be you. I hope it is. Or are you the Isaiah? Isaiah 53, verse 6, we read it earlier. It says, we, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. We've all done it our own way. We're all doing it our own way. We're all thinking it our own way. We're all planning it our own way. We're little sheep over here trying to carve out our own path. And we're leading ourselves astray. And when we do that, it gets messy and it gets ugly Sheep go over edges. Sheep get caught in thickets. There's blood. There's pain. There's shame. There's guilt. 
When the Lord is your shepherd, you will not want. He'll make you to lie down in green pastures. He'll lead you beside the still waters. He will restore your soul. And then he will take and lead you in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Which one are you? Are you in John 10? Are you in Isaiah 53? The beauty of Isaiah 53 is it doesn't end there. You see the ellipsis at the end? There's one more part to this because if you are in Isaiah 53, if you are living Isaiah 53, there is another part. It says this, and the Lord has laid on him, him being the good shepherd, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, Jesus went to the cross so that he could take care of the shame, the blame, the guilt, the, the nastiness of our own brokenness. He did that. He carried that. The Lord laid it on him. So here, here's an invitation, if you will. The good shepherd, Jesus, wants to be your shepherd. You think, no, no, no. I'm bruised. I'm broken. I'm lame. I'm marred. I've got, I've got, all kinds of knotted up pieces of my life. No, listen, the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So we can be a child of God. We can be a lamb. We can be under the shepherding of Christ because of what Christ did for us. Would you bow your heads with me? What path are you on today? What path are you on today? What path are you on today? If you're here in this room and you can't from your depths of your heart say the very first phrase that we just said again and again and again and again and again, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You are ripe and ready right now to give yourself to following Jesus. If you've never done that, you've just played around in the pen, you've just been kind of hanging out with a bunch of sheep, but you have never given your life to Jesus, please, please, please do this before you do anything else. Give yourself to him right where you're at. You can just say, Lord Jesus, I give myself to you. I want you to be my good shepherd. I'm tired of calling my own shots and going astray on my own. Dear Jesus, be my shepherd. If you pray that prayer right now, if you give yourself fully to him right now, if that is you, If you are the person today crying out to Jesus for him to be your shepherd, I want you to do this. I just want you to raise your hand up and put it down. Raise your hand up and put it down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just about every section, there's somebody. Put it up. Put it down. I want Jesus to be my shepherd. I've made a mess. The beauty is, is that he will step into your life and lead you. Listen, you need to tell someone. Find someone. Find me. I'll be hanging out in the front. Tell someone today that you are giving yourself to following Jesus. Jesus, you know who's in this room. You know who's following you. You know who's playing around with you. Lord, right now, would you be mighty in this place as we lift you up as the great shepherd creator, loving God that you are. Lord, would you guide us and lead us where we need to go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Would you sing with us?